I'm Saleh. And I'm currently yelling at gamers online on Twitter because Sony brought God of War to the PC, and that means that you don't have to buy a PlayStation anymore, and that upsets me. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Why? Why would Sony bring these games to the PC? Why? 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 Why can't you know? You should just buy a PlayStation. I don't understand it. Like, if what if Sony? If you get all these games on PC, what's the point of consoles? Hmm. 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 I, I think you need to examine your <laughs> inner belief structure if you think that's a problem. By the yeah, way. no, I'm just joking. I'm Christian. I, yeah, I don't think you're doing a bit. I was just like, I just, just, just to complete the bit is, yeah. Uh, if you if you do think that games being cross cross platform when they were like they're becoming cross platform once like the exclusivity period or whatever runs out is a bad thing, then you do you need to really examine your own. Uh, own a lot of things. Actually. Yeah, it's, uh, but let's let's <laughs> let's get started. Let's not get into. Uh, let's not do uh, therapy. It's not a therapy podcast. This no is uh, no no gamer discourse this week because it's episode one seventy of Shades of Brown, where it's time for it's it's everything. I think it's finally it's well. There's some there's some things though we usually like to joke about saying that you know. This discourse is bad and will be happy and people stop talking about it. Like the Apple TV, for example, right? I think I think we said multiple times in the show where it's like, no, why do people care so much about a new Apple TV? I'm glad it's out. Now we don't never talk about it again. And guess what? I don't think I've talked about the Apple TV for like six months. Yeah, I haven't even thought about the Apple TV in a while. So yeah, yeah so this week's basically is gonna be that, but for AirPods and MacBooks and Google phones, it's great. Yes, let's let's get started. Let's start. We're gonna start with Apple. Uh, we're gonna start with the AirPods first because that was like this is a small update for the uh, small. I say small. These are probably one of the most popular electronic products. Um, so there's a third generation of the. I guess you just call them AirPods, uh, which is great. They they had, what what is like the differences i think they improved like what like the design of the well it's a complete redesign right because so the 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 new airpods have essentially airpod pros but without the silicon tips which means they primarily now have a new way of interacting with them these old airpods you have to tap your ear right you would double tap your ear this one is the force sensor where you just pinch the button has the little the little the thing that you have on the airpods pro or like the uh what do we hold the the force uh, button, right? Like the little button on there, the force, like the fake button, yeah. Um, and apparently spatial audio also. So, which which I, I'm sure is exciting to you specifically. Oh my god! Thank you for uh, reminding me. Sorry about this. Oh we're going to no. take a pause. Oh, no, no, we're no, no, we're no, going to no, pause from the AirPods for a moment because now we brought up spatial audio. This week as well, Logic Pro now got its update to support Dolby Atmos mixing. Atmos, 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 Atmos. Now you might, if you're listening to that and you're like, why the fuck did I say Atmos 10 times? Go ahead and go to the show notes. They're going to be at twoshadesofbrown.com. There's going to be a link to a Dolby Atmos specific file. Not going to be the main episode in the feed because I know folks are using Android, but I would definitely imply, implore you if you're using like um, any Apple product that supports it or if you have like a Sonos system, right? Anything that supports Dolby Atmos is the standard, not proprietary, right? Works with any surround system. Go ahead and pop in that file and enjoy the, this podcast in 7.1 channels. I'm, max, I'm mastering it for seven channels. And how does that even work? work like we have this two people talking how does there is there seven channels of audio 
Like, how does that even make so sense? So how it works is you, there's a virtual box around a head in software and you, and you can just drag nodes of, of different outputs, right? So like a track, I have you a little panned off to the right. I'm a little bit panned off to the left. I saw them, you know, cross mixing with each other. So it's not like sounding weird like that. It sounds a little more natural, gives more breath to it. Um, what I'm also going to be doing too is I usually cut the entire noise floor, right? From when we're speaking cut all the background noise. I'm going to actually introduce that into the mix in the back. So it gives the ambiance of being in the actual room we're recording in, you know, it, it's, we're not in a real room, but you know, actually it, it, you're making this sound like actually appealing. <laughs> like, this, this is sounding like, this is sounding like a pitch for, for like, for some, some like new, like subscription of a podcast or whatever. <laughs> um, yes. Subscribe to on memberful. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Cool. Shades of Brown plus uh, now in Dolby Atmos. Shades of Brown Atmos, plus. Atmos, Atmos, Atmos. Oh. Yes. So Dolby Atmos, um, spatial audio available on the new, uh, new AirPods. This is actually, I, I mean, I, I, we're joking, but like, this is like a big update for this, this product, right? And this product is massively popular. So, uh, it is it's good like this is this is just like this is gonna just like this is just this is a small thing overall but like it's it's a it's a product that i feel like like i don't like every year we talk about iphones and we talk about the laptops uh but the airpods like are silent like not silently but like just like a massive success uh we, we like when was the last that we talked about the base airpods like I, I don't even i think the last time was when they got introduced first uh, i don't think you've talked about them well maybe like we yeah we mentioned them here and there when like you you've gotten the airpod pros like we, we mentioned them briefly then but um and i think an, another feature too that is important to mention is adaptive eq and i think we we've when the airpods max and the airpods pros were announced we sort of we, we i know we didn't have a full understanding of what adaptive eq is so i think it's i want to revisit it for a moment because it's not that it say tries to like make music sound better with using some weird like eq magic or whatever what it is is it's adjusting for fit what i mean by that is so with the airpods max for example these are over the ear headphones so Depending on how you have them fitting on your head, they sound different. For example, you find that uh, some traditional headphones, like the Audio Technic ones, are a good example. If they don't sit the right way on your head, you get less bass because of how the drivers are designed. So, what these do is combat that. So, instead of having to force you to have like a perfect fit, if they don't fit your ears properly, quote unquote, to what the drivers support, it can basically measure that, you know, with the, with the seal, just a microphone, listen in for how much outside audio leaks and as a part of the noise cancellation system. And then you can just adjust the EQ a little bit by a couple of decibels that make up for a poor seal. The AirPods Pro do the same thing. That's, that's what adaptive EQ is. And I'm, it's interesting for buds that don't have a seal. AirPods, that's the that's, that's my question, right? Like this don't these don't seal. These are not IEMs, right? These are not like they don't go in your ear. They said like right outside, like so. So how does that work? That's my real question, actually. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm interested in is is how because there still is a quote unquote seal even if they're in your ear. It's a loose seal, right? Yeah, it's not, not a yeah, but not a strong one. Yeah, it's a very loose seal. Yeah, uh, and I actually like for me it doesn't work because like they fall out. Like uh, I'm one of like. Like the five percent of people, like the airport design doesn't work. Like it just like it, it just don't stay in the year, which is uh, unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 uh, what that is. Uh, there was also, as a side note, related. It's not we're not going to talk about it much, but there was a uh, HomePod Mini colors. Uh, they released uh, blue, orange, and yellow. 
Uh, they're not released. They're not available yet, actually. You can't order them, but they will be in November. So, you know, uh, for those of you who have a HomePod Mini are looking to get one, uh, I'm personally wanting to get get the blue one. Uh, I do like the blue. So, uh, let's talk about the weirdest thing that got announced that, honestly, I was just very, like, I was just like, oh, like, I didn't even, like, I didn't believe it for a second. So Apple Music is getting a new tier of plan at uh, $5 a month uh, that is called the voice-only plan, which means that you can only interact with Apple Music using uh, voice controls, which means you can only interact with using Siri. Uh I I don't know if Apple thinks that Apple thinks that Siri is like extremely good or something, or they believe too much in Siri. But uh, this is going to be terrible, right? Like this is this is like not going to be a good experience. Like I I, I don't know how to like I don't know how to like I feel like it's hard to explain why Siri is bad to people who don't use Siri, like who people who use Android for some of our audience. It might be a little like weird, like inside baseball to like talk about Siri like this, but. But Siri is not like the most reliable voice assistant uh, by far. Uh, so I'm. Is this just meant to be like an entry point product? Like it's just there so that people like dip their toes into the Apple services ecosystem? Is that it? Is that uh, is that counterpoint? Counterpoint to this, Amazon has an equivalent plan for a dollar less on the Echoes, but this is a better deal than Amazon's because the Echo voice music only plan only works on one. Device. This works on all your devices, just can't have audio playing back on two different sources. But it will play back, you know, from a phone to a Mac to an iPad to this. So what I would say this is honestly, this plan might be good for people who don't care about music but don't want ads and like radio and stuff. And how I mean by that is there are people who don't care, right? Like me and you are like big old music heads, but there are people who will literally just want some random genre playing and don't like they they don't care. Yes, yeah, actually they don't care. This is for the people who like play music, like play just have like play music on their HomePod Minis, like I would say play whatever, right? And and that's the that's the kind of people this is for, like people who don't really care. To like, they're not gonna make playlists, right? They're not gonna like, like listen to albums all the way through, probably, right? Like, they're gonna just let the algorithm do its thing, right? People who use Pandora, basically, right? Like the people, kind of people who use Pandora. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it doesn't make sense to me at all. Like, it's it's extremely baffling. But I would be. This actually makes me wonder if they have if they have deployed server side improvements to how Siri interacts with Apple Music or something. Like, if, if this is, like, some sort of new Apple Siri. Well, really- Siri with Apple Music has always been one of the useful points because it's hard to fuck it up. It's all about recognition. So, like, honestly, I've never had an issue with Siri telling them to play, like, your different genres of music and stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's because there's not much natural language you need to, like, fight through for it, right? It really is. You're going to say, play something you just you have to basically figure out what that something is and you know someone saying like you know play whatever the new um you know play that new jpeg mafia or whatever like that's an artist there you go play the latest album easy enough it isn't it, it isn't with some of the more complex queries that google assistant or the echo you know tend to do better with because it's it's unintentionally formulaic you know it's 
action item, action item, and that's easy enough for computers to to, to distinguish. Right, that's right. The, yeah, uh, yeah, action item. Yeah, that's that. That is that is that is probably one of the few things. Yes, uh, four ninety nine a month. Uh, I think they said this was going to be available to reach. Like there was some. Re- I think there was some regional restrictions, but I'm not sure what they were. Uh, but I'm sure this is not available in every re- region because I think this uh, implies some sort of interesting deal with uh, with the- well, and there's other regions too where music pricing is way cheaper. Like so, for example, in India, the Apple I think Apple Music and Spotify are like two dollars American, the equivalent to that in Indian rupees, right? So in some regions, there's not a huge pricing gap where, and of course, I understand that two dollars US in India is a different economics, different markets, right? But but there isn't, say, like a gap in which that, you know, you have the base tier, you got a big jump to the family tier, the pricing's a lot closer, right? So it might not make sense to have three plans if it's just $1 more in that country's currency. That's, 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 yeah, that might be it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not interested in this, but mostly because like, I, I don't, like, I don't want to like, this might be useful to somebody who wants to listen to music using the HomePod Mini, right? And I'm not like the HomePod Mini. I don't use for music at all. Like I don't think I've ever played music on it. It exclusively just plays podcasts. Uh, so, so maybe somebody else. Maybe if if you're interested in this, let us know. I don't know if our audience is is the target market for this. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also interesting for or useful for people who um can't interact with their library to begin with, right? Like, for example, if you're someone who uses voiceover mainly on your phone, like yes, that's true. You're probably using Siri majority of the time, anyways, right? So why? Who cares? Like you're. As as good as voiceover is, you're not you're not doing you're not doing music management like that on the iPhone, right? Probably not, but essentially that's that's if you are in the market for this, if you have any use case, do let us know. Uh, I'm curious what, what people interact with. Like I'm always interested in ways people interact with music. So if if you are interested in this new plan, or if you use like the Amazon Echo thing, like the voice only plan for amazon i guess it works with amazon music right uh so so i'm curious what that's like so if if you do if you use that let us know i'm curious let's get into the uh the one everybody was watching this event for which was obviously uh the uh, update to the macbook pro line so uh so how like so let's start here so we have I'm going to just mention this two MacBook Pros, two two as in like two sizes of MacBook Pros. Is the food. Well, well, do we start with the chips or do we start with the computers, right? That's a great question. Uh, I think the, it's worth starting with the chips in, in a little bit because I don't think there's much to talk about the, with the chips yet, but I think it's worth mentioning them anyways. Uh, then we'll get to the computers. So there are two new uh, new new uh, M1 series chips. Uh, there's not an M2. I think people are speculating what the names are going to be, but uh, there, there is not an M- M2 or even an M1X. So there is the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. Um, inc- it's very bad names. <laughs> but they're bad, but good. Hear me out. They're bad, but oh, good. See. They're bad in that Pro and Max as its modifiers are not good in general. However, but they're good in that it's at least consistent, right? So I guess, if, you know, 
there are already a pro and a max, you know, devices in the in different product lines. So to at least call them N1 Pro and M1 Max, it keeps it consistent. It does give me a little bit consistent. So I'm not like too bothered by it, and I, and I don't know if like M1X or M2 would be better. Uh, well, M2 would not. indicate a whole new generation, right? These are still based off the M1. Exactly, and it's not a whole new generation, right? Like, this is still based on the M1 architecture, right? I think that's what Apple is trying to, like, what it, what it's trying to, I guess, allude to here is that this is like an iteration on the same architecture that we have with the M1. Or right? A14, right? Uh, so basically, the S6 the watch processor, A14. Yeah. So, so it's like an iteration with iteration on that using more like adding more cores uh adding more power uh so let's talk about the m1 pro let's get started with that so so what 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 amount of uh cores are we talking what amount of gpu cores are we talking about? uh so uh the base model for the 14 inch like the 14 inch comes with uh comes with the m1 pro with Eight, eight cores of CPU and a 14 core GPU. And now what is the division between, um, high, what, what, uh, I think Apple cars Firestorm and Ice Storm cores, right? Like the, uh, all of them only have two efficiency cores. Every single one. There's no. So it, they just increase the amount of performance cores, uh, performance cores. So, so in the case of the eight core CPU, it's six cores of, uh, performance. And two efficiency cores, right? Okay. Uh, what I think the biggest confusion here for me personally is what does fourteen core GPU mean? Because that means nothing to me. Like that, that like in the in the GPU world, in the desktop GPU world, you don't talk about GPUs using cores because that doesn't make any sense. GPUs usually have yeah. You use more, use better indicators. Like what does AMD call it? Game cl- game clock, <laughs> whatever the fuck. No, no, I mean no. Te- they use teraflops usually or CUDA cores. Um, in the case of NVIDIA, they use CUDA cores. CUDA, CUDA cores are just cores, right? They're just that's so like when I mean there are thousands of them, so it doesn't make sense to like compare them. It's more about the architecture and like the performance, other performance characteristics, right? Like not necessarily the amount of cores. That's the so in in my case, I'm what I'm trying to say is that what what, what does 14 core GPU mean in in context with other 5.2 teraflops for the m1 pro this is so we a 16 core gpu right has a it is from the anontech article in the show notes has a throughput power of 5.2 teraflops 5.2 teraflops so how does that compare to something like uh into uh, current gen uh igpu or an uh amd are, are we comparing them to igpus or apus no, we're comparing them to dedicated GPUs because the M1 already had a better GPU than the integrated one. So this is this could be a conversation of these GPUs versus discrete GPUs, and specifically the power to performance ratio. Yeah, that's 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 my interest. The GPU, like I'm already sold on the like. Um, I mean, I'm already like I already have an M1 computer here, right? Like I have an M1 MacBook Air, so I'm already sold on the CPU performance. But I'm like. I don't really know about the GPU capabilities of this architecture, I guess. So we could go off of Apple's comparisons, but I should say the charts are bad. Um, Anontech did some math for us, but the charts, their Bezo charts, like they are bad charts. So at least Anontech did some um, actual analysis. So the M1 Pro 16-core GPU was being pitted against a GeForce RTX 3050 Ti 
with four gigabytes of of GDR six. Okay, that's RAM. that's the okay. That's like a low end uh, NVIDIA card then. Okay. I mean, it's that makes four hundred. No, no, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a mid range GPU. It's four hundred. I mean, bucks. right now, I mean, right now, it's the low end of the NVIDIA. Like price, uh, pr- like forgetting about the price of the thirty fifty Ti because the current uh, desktop GPU market is, as Steve would say, completely fucked. Uh, so that's like the pricing is not the thing, but I'm like saying like it's like it's we're comparing it to a 3050 Ti. Like we need to understand what it is. 3050 Ti is like low end of these, but like, it runs at at 100 watts. So we'll say that. So it's a low end GPU that that 3050 Ti will run at 100 watts. The M1 Pro running at 30 watts has the same performance cap. That's basically what Apple's trying to say. So so, so they're saying that it has better performance per watt. Like uh, more efficient at what more it gets more out of the using like a lower amount of power, uh, right? Which is important because the the M1 Pro and Max chips do not throttle back when on battery. Whereas, and this is actually something you've um, I don't think you ever mentioned the drama here because gates are bad, and I know Satic hates the word gate, so I never bring them up, but. There was an AMD gate with the Surface with the Surface laptop line, where basically, yeah, when you unplug it, you get a thirty percent performance hit, processor and GPU on the AMD Surface laptops because because of throttling. Yep, you have to run them on power to get the full potential of the chip. Whereas Apple is saying here at the M1 line, because of the power to performance ratio, it does not matter. Have it on battery, have them plugged in, and they will be able to run full throttle. Because, right, the battery will be able to deliver the amount of power required. Uh, okay, so we have eight high performance scores. Uh, wait, eight performance scores on the. That's on the. Well, there's there's ten core models. There's like ten different models of this. Oh, so so there's different models. Okay, yeah. So, so okay. I think for this one, we you may just want to go open up the configurator. P is the the M1 Pro and or the 14 and 16 inch. Right, they have the same GPUs. There's no difference in actual processors. So what we're saying as well proves true for these. There's no difference in what processors you can buy. So if we're talking about SKUs, and we're going to go ahead and you know go through the M1 SKUs. There's that eight core model. There is also a ten core model. Yeah, so if if you go to pre-configured SKUs here, we don't have like we don't know we don't need to like mess around with the configurator, but like what Apple gives as like the like the SKUs that they provide like the, the, the without customizing it basically. So you have the eight core model and the ten core model, right, for the fourteen inch, and that's it. There are no more. There are no higher core GP, CPUs. It's the GPU that scales after that, right? So you could either get eight performance core or eight cores to performance sorry to efficiency eight six performance or you can get a 10 core to efficiency eight performance but the gpu however it starts at a 14 core gpu scaling all the way up to a 32 core gpu with the m1 max so m1 pro maxes out at a 16 core gpu and the neural engine is still a 16-core neural engine on either. And so the way we want to think about sort of how these chips work are that the M1 Pro is equivalent to, I would say, mid-range NVIDIA GPU and an i5. Yeah, like that. Whereas the M1 Max is more equivalent to like a 3070, 3080i7 combo there. And the thing that because there's, there's, we can probably spend an hour talking about this, but there's some other bits I think I want to hop on with. Firstly being, these are using DDR5 RAM, which is 
interesting. Yes, that's what that's actually very interesting to me. Very interesting because DDR5 is not common. It's not really available in the There's no PCs that support DIY, it, right? The DIY market because there's no boards. I think. I'm pretty sure there are no what boards. What processors support it? Because I know Sapphire uh, no Rapids processors. Will. I think some processors support both right now. I think there are some chipsets. I don't know if the processors, but there are chipsets that support both DDR4 and DDR5. But uh, I, I recall, because I think this was in a Gamers Nexus news video recently, uh, but I don't think there are any CPUs that support DDR5 yet. I might be wrong. Like Things in the space are change fast, but as far as I know, there is no Intel or AMD chips right now that are available, like that, that they are released uh, that support DDR5. Uh, so this will make the first consumer product that has DDR5 in it, uh, which I was like, this is the thing that surprised me the most because I wasn't expecting Apple to be the one who had the first consumer DDR5. I expected it to come out of the, uh, DIY market because that's where people like to stay on the bleeding edge of, of this stuff. But, um, it seems Apple has decided while they're building this new board that, fuck it, we might as well use DDR5. And this is, to be clear, this is like LP DDR5, so it's like laptop. Yeah, it's low power, so it runs a, yeah. Size, low power uh, DDR5. And as far as I know, there's no low power. Like, if there was, even if there was the desktop DDR5, there's no low power DDR5 yet. Like in the consumer market. Because there's no laptops that support it. There are no laptop processors that support it. Exactly. No laptops. There's no laptops from any vendor. As far as I'm aware, there are no vendors like have laptops on the market that are LP, that have LP or DDR5 right now because the chipsets barely exist. Uh, I don't think the CPUs exist at all. Uh, Alder Core isn't out yet, right? So Intel's Alder Core would Well, Sapphire Rapids and the, Alder Core, I think, both of them. Alder Core, right? Oh, God, I fucking hate Intel names. Uh, but yeah, like Intel hasn't released the chips yet. So uh, it's going to be a while before Intel even like catches up with this. So And, and the thing to also think about here is you can get like, this is, it, it's, it's LPDDR5 RAM that is pretty huge for a system on the chip. You can get it starts at well, and we'll we'll talk about the laptop configs in a moment, but you know they start at sixteen gigabytes and go all the way up to sixty four. Think about it like this: you cannot buy an RTX thirty ninety with sixty four gigabytes of VRAM in it right now, and you most gaming PCs or productivity PCs probably you know people usually don't go above thirty two. So to think that you have a shared pool of sixty four gigabytes of RAM max. For a huge GPU and CPU. Right. So to be clear, to be clear here, uh, for people not aware, uh, this is, uh, what, what the architecture on the M1 chips is, is it's called a unified memory architecture where all the memory that is like the DDR memory is shared between, well, unified memory means something else. But in this case, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start to say that the RAM that is available is shared board between the CPU and the GPU. Like the VRAM also uses it. It's on the same interface is the way to think about it. It's the same interface. Okay. Uh, so, so you're trying to say like, there's just a possibility of using ginormous amounts of VRAM. I don't know if that's how that works because I think there's probably some limits placed on the amount of VRAM that can be used at any given time. Well, no, it's dynamic. So Uh how it works on the M1 today is it depends on the task at hand. So for example, if you are playing a game, say you're playing a game full screen on Mac OS, what it's going to do is it will, you know, the game logic will take up a certain amount of RAM, right? The base processes, the background processes. But then 
it dynamically allocates that to the CPU side, and then whatever the GPU needs, keep going, right? Like, keep going until you either, A, you you fully max out your texture budget so you don't need any more RAM, you know, all the textures are loaded into memory, or, like, keep, you know, keep going, or... And gaming is not a good example. I think productivity is a better one for Blender renders. Well, like so, if you're using like something like Premiere, like if you're like rendering like a scene in uh, what is not Premiere, like uh, uh, like I think 3D 3D Max or whatever it's called, like the 3D software that uses for 3D modeling, AutoCAD, yes, AutoCAD. So if you're like rendering something in AutoCAD, right, like you're going to use ginormous amounts of VRAM, right? So how does that? That's my question. Like, right, like that's my actual question here is that. How does this scale for that kind of need? Like, so if you have the maxed out M1 Max, right, you have the 64 gigs of unified memory. Like, what, what does that mean for for your GPU VRAM availability, right? That's, that's the... It means less bottlenecks as well because you don't have to... And I mean, I think we talked about it earlier with the M1 where PCI, sending memory back and forth on a PCI bus, right, via your chips out of your motherboard, it's not a big bottleneck, but there's still latency there. It is. It is. There is some latency there, yes. So that latency is removed because it's all on the same chip and it's all the same memory pool. So it does make these faster. It does make it more responsive. It makes it It makes it more capable. Because especially when you mix that, too, with also having a Gen 4, um, I think 7 point something gigabyte per second SSD on here. That's PCI Gen 4. And with that, you get super fast swap when you need it. So what the system can do in this case is say you're going to go ahead and do a render in Blender or um, you know AutoCAD, it can it can just prioritize the unified memory to that task and throw other things in a swap. And it's not if you have to say open your web browser while it's running in the background, even if it does need to allocate some pulling from swap, it's a seven point whatever gigabyte SSD. It may it I mean it's not going to be slow, right? You're not going to really notice it being pulled out of swap. No, probably not. Uh, probably not, but and it's like, and I think the things that they're focusing on, I think the big thing they're talking about is the memory interconnects, right? Like the memory interface, like is is extremely like like ginormous amounts of bandwidth available. I keep using that word, but I do mean it. Like it's like it's 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 kind of ridiculous the amount of memory bandwidth they've allocated. Uh, and the board is a big, it's a big board. And I think a great a, a primer too for memory bandwidth is we we. Outside of ginormous, I'm pretty sure you probably refer to it being wide. Like it's a wide memory, wide, wide. memory it's, it's bandwidth. Thick. And what it's we thick. mean by that is, uh, <laughs> if we talk about the switch, I think the switch is actually a good counterpoint to this. The switch oh, is not okay. thick. The switch has not the memory <laughs> no, no, bandwidth no. on the switch is very narrow. In which, like, there's bottlenecking as a possibility. Whereas on this chip, it is a lot harder to bottleneck it because of how wide the interface is. Right, how much data can be pushed through it, which is why we're like it's 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 just a scalable chip. It's not this isn't like I don't want to sound like this is like the best chip ever or like you know something that is amazing but like it no, is No, but they they're focusing on certain they, they they have focused on things that cause bottlenecks and trying to eliminate or reduce the threshold of the bottleneck, right? Like by increasing the the memory interface size to 512 bits, like they have made it so that memory is the the interconnects like is no longer like the, going to be the bottleneck, right? I think the bottleneck you're going to run into with both the M1 Pro and the M1 Max is is uh, probably uh, probably just running out of parallel cores, right? Like like uh, efficient like uh, performance cores. Like if you have something that's super multi-threaded, for example, 
usually that's like uh, something that you're compiling, right? Like if you're compiling something, uh, it's usually like super multi-threaded, right? And if it takes up like all the efficiency cores, that's where you might run into some bottlenecks, right? Um, or if you use up all the all the headroom on the uh, performance cores, what is I meant to say? Like, so I think that's where you might run into the bottleneck, but I don't think the memory is going to be the problem in that case. Uh, right, right. And with this, too, something else I want to talk about here is the... Um, we we always joke about bingo cards. Do the bingo dance. I'm about to talk about video decoding and <laughs> video codecs. <laughs> but this actually matters, though. So there are dedicated video and encode blocks on the CPU. Once again, what that means in more not super nerdy language is there's acceleration to make video playback and video encoding super fast. So they specifically H.264, HEVC, but also ProRes and ProRes RAW. Now, what is wild about this is they, these chips can manage more ProRes streams. And by streams, we quite literally mean video files, right? Like ProRes video files uh, running than the big ass $2,000 afterburner card for the 2019 Mac Pro. Oh my god! Right, that thing, yeah. And that miniaturization is wild. And 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 the there there's there's such a, there's there's lots of jokes to be made. And that honestly, this might actually be like one of the best computers in terms of compute power to stream off of because of how many video encoders, right? Like how much performance is there for the video encoders? Like OBS is eaten here. OBS is having a great time on the M1 Mac. Right. That's a, that's a, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Oh, I, I mean, if OBS supports this, this OBS is eating. Like, it's, it's the thing, right? Like, if OBS can use this architecture, like, it's, like, massive amounts of potential to be tapped by something like OBS, right? Like, I, I want to see that. Like, I, I really want to actually be like that. That would be, because right now, your options are, like, NVN, right, using NVIDIA GPUs, or if you're using Intel CPUs, you can use Intel QuickSync for encode, right? Not, not neither of those are particularly fantastic, to be honest. Like, did well, they're all per, they're proprietary to the like. It's not a Windows thing, right? Like, where this is just built into Mac OS, where any program that uses it, it, it's fine. Like, like so, for example, actually, and we're not going to go into game streaming. No need to go on that tangent. But GeForce Now rolled out their 3080 tier. And you can now do 120 FPS streaming, like video feeds, and that requires native H.265 decode because of how much you know bandwidth that is for those streams. So like those those are and, and it's just like because Mac OS has it like the system codec, right? Automatically does it, it's automatically encoded. You don't have to build it in, whereas OBS needs to have specific support for QuickSync and NVENC, right, in order to work. It isn't just calling like you know the Windows whatever you know API Microsoft has for it. No, it's not Windows. No, it is. It is. It is. I'm pretty sure it's not like it's not. It's not like uh, yeah. It's not like abstracted out to Windows or whatever, right? So 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 yes. Uh, there are, there's a lot of potential here. Uh, whether it whether it is used by OBS, that remains to be seen. Of course, OBS is. Uh, I don't know. Like OBS is open source project. These things can take time. Um, I think it's worth talking about the I.O. situation on this because this is where things get everybody is very happy, I believe, right? Uh, because we, we got... And we're talking more about the laptops here, not the... I think Should we say, should we, should we move on to the actual computers themselves and not the processors? Yes, that's what I was getting. Like, I was thinking the I.O. as in, like, the ports, basically, right? So we got ports. We got, we, we got, we got, we got ports here. Uh, 
We have uh three on the on the fourteen inch. Uh, is, is the port the same. like the amount They're of the same, uh, the regardless same? Of, okay of so machine. okay regardless okay so we have three thunderbolt four ports one hdmi port one sdxc card slot and uh for for folks uh folks in the folks uh, who've been using uh macbook pros for a while uh magsafe makes its return we have a magsafe three port uh and honestly <laughs> This is incredible, right? Like this is like I, I never I didn't expect the HDMI. I expected the new M1 chips. I expected ports, but I didn't expect the HDMI or the SD card slot. Like I an SD card slot seems like uh seems like uh it's like it's like it's like here like Apple's like here, please shut the fuck up for like ten more years, right? Like here, please do not talk to us ever again about SD card slots. <laughs> no, no, I think I think what it is is like with this port situation with a lot of of the changes here. I think they're quite literally. This is um, this is I think the MacBook team being a little bit hungry at Windows OEMs dunking on them. Like I think this is them just saying like you know looking at the market, being like, hey, we're getting absolute. We've been getting trashed about how we don't make machines for people who are creative. And this is them being like, well, okay, do you want a machine you can do work on? Here you fucking go. Here you go. Please shut the fuck up. Here is a machine that you can go ahead and edit video. You know, we're giving you a GPU. We're giving you a processor. We're giving you your ports. This is a computer that you can go ahead and actually do work on. Please shut the fuck up now. Yes. Please stop talking. Yes. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm glad MagSafe is back. MagSafe is a good, like, it's a, it's a great idea. It's a genius idea, right? Honestly, like, it's, if anybody who has worked at a, like, using a Mac laptop in a university library will, will know why, uh, why exactly MagSafe is a good idea. You don't want people, like, ripping your laptop across your desk or whatever with the chip over the cables. And important too, it's just the cable. So old MagSafe used to be you stuck to the brick. It was a brick to the cable. This is just MagSafe to USB C on the other end. Uh huh. It's just a cable. It's just a cable. Yeah, it's just a, it's just the USB C. And the interesting thing here is that you can charge both with the MagSafe and with the with the with the USB C ports that are available. But uh, but the restriction with the USB C ports is cannot you cannot charge at the full full wattage, right? Like on the on the fast charging availability, right? Like it's like you can't actually push the full power through the USB-C charger. You can only do it through the MagSafe, right? Uh, so that, that's, I believe, the only only restriction. But you can... Once again, because USB-C 240 watt is not out yet, we don't need to get into it. It's a limitation right, it's of, like, not. power delivery. It's The USB-IF, once again, is... <laughs> once once again. again, who if but the USB-IF, right? <laughs> yeah, who if... So I think the most interesting, the most like one of the interesting is obviously the Thunderbolt four ports here. Uh, can you can connect them to like Apple's uh, ProRes XDR displays, right? Uh, like two, like the M1 Pro supports two Apple ProRes XDR displays, and the M1 Max can support three. X- How much? Are, like three three XDR displays is like sixteen. Not three XDR displays. They can support four. I thought can it support four displays on the M1 Max plus plus. Three XDR displays plus a 4K TV. That's what it says on the R stick. So, three XDR displays is like 16 grand of hardware. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> like that's 16 grand of hardware, bro. Like just, just casually like three displays. Uh, but yes. And if I might, I might just be real. If you are someone who, um, uses four displays on the regular, you should probably buy a desktop. Like, let's be honest. Whatever yeah, you're doing I, on that computer, you probably should just buy a desktop. Yeah, probably. Probably. Honestly. Uh, but so I am. Also, there's a headphone jack, by the way. It's, it's, oh, a headphone jack that supports high impedance headphones, which is not something I ever thought I would hear in an Apple keynote. <laughs> yes, that you mentioned. Which they mentioned. So, bro, you could use your you could use your uh, fucking bear dynamics on this one. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, no was... DAC needed. Once again, this is a computer to make people shut the fuck up. Like that specifically. When when I heard that, when I heard them mention high impedance headphones, I was like, oh. That's what they're trying to do. They really want people. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they know they know the audience that has the money, right? Like the audience that has the money is the people who spend like two grand on like bare dynamic headphones, or whatever, right? Like so, so you know that they know their audience. Uh, I, obviously, it's targeted towards audio pros as well. I mean, as your audio pros love their MacBook pros. So the I think. I don't know if there's anything like the hardware. We got to talk, talk about the keyboard. We got to talk about the keyboard. Got to talk about the keyboard and the touch bar is gone. That's all I have to say about the. Is the touch bar is gone, and Apple code and code said that it it feels like a mechanical keyboard, which is by the way, is a very bold claim after the last fiasco with the with the keyboards that happened. By the way, so uh, remains to be seen if that is indeed the case. What kind of switches though? Like, there's a, a mechanical keyboard is actually not a specific feeling. It doesn't mean anything. That's the thing, right? It doesn't. Like, what kind of switches are we talking about? Are we talking about Cherry MX? No, it's not Cherry. Absolutely not a Cherry MX, which I can tell you right now. Apple is never going to use Cherry MX switches in anything. Uh, but is it like a like a topless switch uh, or like what is it like what kind of switch is it or is it just some custom shit that uh do these feel like razor greens <laughs> i hope not because razor razor shit is trash uh i hope not uh that's that would be bad actually so that's, Although, that's, that's so, something not, to talk man. about the keyboard though that i actually think is nice is the function keys being full height for the reason of these actually they've never actually been full height function keys when i say full height is like the full size of a key. They've always been half size. Right. They have been like full size of the key. The half size, right? I remember this from when I used to have like a MacBook Pro, right? They used to always have been like half size function keys, but they are not. They explicitly mentioned that the touch bar is gone. And look at the function keys. <laughs> like, I, I, like, honestly, I, I think I, I, I never even used a touch bar Mac. But I can, like, I can, I'm glad that it's gone. Like, I, that, that's like the devil is vanquished, you know? Uh, it, it's, it's no longer present. Uh, so I'm, I'm for, well, I for one, I'm glad that the touch bar, because the touch bar is a horrendous idea. Like, uh, it, it's, it was just like, I'm not even going to. Uh, but, but I think, but, but next up though, before we go into touch bar discourse again, is the speakers and the microphone. I specifically want to start with the microphone here because the mics now have a lower noise floor. Which sounds a little a little bit strange, but I think it is a good idea actually for laptop microphones to have a lower noise floor. What does noise floor mean? It can record more of lower sounds, lower decibel sounds, aka get in more background noise. Now you may say, don't you spend weeks or hours editing podcasts to fight background noise? I do, but I think a microphone for a laptop 
should record as much as possible and let software figure it out, right? Let let the this is not, you know, a microphone meant for singing or for podcasting. So if it has like the mic I'm talking to right now, of course, has a far higher noise floor. It only really is capturing my voice, makes it very easy to clean out any background noise that accidentally gets in. USB decanister mics, even if static is sometimes a little bit more noisy, still primarily tries to pick up a voice pattern and nothing else. At the same time, though, these laptop microphones are used for more than just voices. Like, you know, you might be recording scratch guitar or something, right? If you're editing music, right? You know, and you might need and keeping as much detail as possible, even if that includes more noise is good for the bass recording because you can always clean that up in software. So I'm perfectly fine with that. The speakers are at most, at most, at most, at most. <laughs> they have spatial audio. Um, Whatever, whatever. I don't even, we don't need to go on about that. But they are probably good quality speakers because the last generation MacBook Pro, especially the 16 inch, it was shocking. Like I've heard of them, I have a buddy who has one. Those speakers sound way better than they should for how small they are. So audio is going to be good. And now, lastly, let's talk about the screen. Let's, let's talk about that screen. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we have uh, mini LED displays, right? Uh, we have uh, we have uh, variable refresh rate. These support twenty four through one hundred and twenty fps is the VRR range. Uh, okay, uh, we have most importantly, and the topic of much discussion everywhere, a notch. <laughs> I don't. I, I I thought like I remember people were memeing about this before the event. Like they were like, "What if the what if the MacBook Pro, new MacBook Pro has a notch?" And they actually made the meme real. I, um, I, I honestly, I'm not even mad. I'm not, I'm just like, it's what, like, I'm not even actually bothered by it. Like, it's like, I think I'm just like used to Apple's like weird idiosyncrasies with the notch. Uh, and I don't think it actually really affects most the where it is placed right on the top of the screen where the menu bar usually resides, even for a full screen application, right? I think probably like, for example, like if you full, full screen, like, Safari. If you full screen that, by the way, Mac, Mac OS puts a black bar there. So just so you know, in software, what it does is it puts a black bar, and when you move your mouse up there, the menu slides in. So the notch actually doesn't cut into application content when you're using a full screen window uh, app. Okay. Uh, I'm not bothered by it, personally. Uh, and I think most people who use laptop like this, over time, you you'd not, wouldn't even notice the notch. I think, if uh, especially... If the phone notch is, is any indication, most people, I don't, I, I sometimes even forget that the iPhone has a, has a notch. Uh, so I, I personally am not offended by the notch. I know some people are a little bit, a little bit like, why didn't they just make the bezels a little bit wider? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't think that's how product design works. Uh, but, uh, so. Well, the question is about the notches. The notch is only justified if the web camera is good, right? Like, if it has a shit web camera... It's not. It's a 1080p. It's a 1080p camera. They were very happy. They were very proud of it. Resolution, does, resolution doesn't matter, though. Resolution doesn't matter for webcam. Uh, yeah, resolution doesn't matter, but, like, Apple has, like, visual tech that cleans up the image anyway. But they up to the resolution on it to 1080p. It is important. It's not like... Doesn't matter entirely, but it does matter a little bit. Like, if it's going to send 1080p, it will give you more data to work with anyway. So, but like. Right. But you have to understand, though, with Windows laptops. So, like, you have competitors, the HP Envy line, um, Dell's premium XPS lines that have small bezels. Those webcams are absolute shit. 
Like that, that's the thing is they, they it's not that they're not service webcams. They're muddy. Like they look like the kind of stuff you see back in 2006, you know, when you and your buddies in IRC are going on chat roulette for the night, you know, like those kinds of muddy ass webcams. That's what they look like. And so if this is a serviceable webcam, I think that notch is justified. And if the webcam's as good as the M1 iMac, I think you're fine because M1 iMac has a similar 1080p camera. So I, it all depends on that because if it does, then fair enough put a notch there whatever it doesn't bother me because it only goes into the menu bar it doesn't it is how it works from a display it's an um it's an awkward aspect ratio in that if you take the notch in the menu bar right like that that vertical area of the screen and you removed it you would have a perfect 16 by 10 display so it is 16 by 10 point something with that notch taking up, you know, what what would make it 16 by 10 if it was not there. So the reason for that means then that since macOS always has a menu bar there, you get a perfect 16 by 10, which is the correct aspect ratio for laptops at PackaCat at 10forward.social if you disagree. And... But, you know, and and you still get that even working space there. So what it's really doing is it's just putting the menu bar where the bezel's at. And it's still like, so it's, if it's, it's just strange to see Apple go this functional, like function over form so much with this. Because even with the phones, like they won't compromise on that front facing camera. I mean, it's still a laptop webcam, sure. But it's just weird to see how much they are willing to, willing to not compromise that they'll do these notches. But it's fine. And honestly, it's a mini LED. So once you have a black background, those pixels are off anyways. And whenever you're watching video, video is 16 by 9 or even narrower. There is no video that will ever bleed into that notch. So whenever you are watching full screen content, it's going to be blacked out. The pixels will be off because it's mini LED, or the backlight will be turned off, I should say, because it's mini LED. So maybe if you're using your desktop with a white background, Sure, it's there. At the same time, I I don't see much of an issue with it, especially for how thin the bezels are. Like it, it's just a thing. Sure, I would personally like it if it wasn't there. Underscreen, you know, camera would be good, but the quality would be shit. And I think the choice to say, okay, we're just not going to compromise and put a good webcam in there. Once again, reviews will tell. If we have the M1 iMac to go off of, it's probably going to be a good webcam. Okay, it's going to be f- okay. It's going to be all right. It's going to be fine. Uh. Uh, my real question here is, and like I like the physical design actually. Like the, I think it's a little bit what we're talking about is like they, they changed like the like the outside shell of it a little bit, right? It's a little bit more chunky, as the word I would use, more boxy. Yeah. So, which I like, by the way, which I, which I think I'm a fan of that more boxy design. Um, and they have like a little bit of a like little feet that like it, it keeps. Uh, I don't know how like that. Those look significant, but I don't know how. Those are those are bigger feet. So now you get more clearance, I guess, for airflow. Which is actually something that I that I think we didn't mention with the processors, but the battery life is better, but they didn't if you take like the scale of battery life to clock speed performance, they said we're gonna maintain like a ten hour workday, right? You know, we're gonna still maintain you get through a workday and we're gonna throw the rest of that budget towards power, which is interesting. I and I think that's the right move for a pro laptop right consumer laptops battery life paramount but for a pro laptop like get it through the workday and put the rest for performance you know i think that's the i think that is the right trade-off here so i'm just i'm interested in that and i'm also interested too in the fact that they they put bigger fans in it <laughs> there is more cooling they, they did put they did put they did put bigger fans in it. that's i think that's one of the points like they, they talked about the fans a little bit so i am like all of this all of this is like a lot of this is theoretical right now, but I'm 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 curious what 
like how loud are the fans? How how can you hear them over? Like if you if you, can you hear them over like in a quiet room? Like if they're blasting at full speed? Uh, I need Steve from Gamers do, next to tell me what the Delta Steve T over ambient. Delta T over ambient. Yeah, I need I need Steve to get the uh, DBA measurements. Uh, but yes, I'm curious like what the performance. Like temperatures look like, what, what everything. Like I'm, I'm. There's a lot of things to me that I'm curious. Uh, like realistically, what, what is going to happen? Uh, I think the last question is I have is this machine, like especially the 14 inch model, is perfect for you. So are you buying one? Before I get that answer, I think we should mention that all the configs now are now static approved. Everyone, and what I mean by that is. They start at 16 gigabytes of RAM and 512 SSD. There is, there are, you have no complaints of a base config, I imagine. 16 gigs of RAM. Yes, they do. Yes, I approve. I cannot complain. Absolutely. No, I, I have, I, I would happily buy, uh, uh not a 16 inch. It's, I, the only reason I, I, I'm, I'm talked about this, uh, like, I mean, I prefer the 14 to 13 inch models for portability reasons. I have, like, the only reason I would buy a 16 inch, uh, a larger laptop is is if it's going to be replacing my uh, desktop. So if it's a desktop replacement, but 14 inch, like the base 14 inch model, I would just like if the base model is already like incredibly good. Like I, if I was using it as a daily driver, I would just maybe bump the storage. But that's not even like required to be honest. Uh, five to gigs is is, is quite significant, and it's it's not it's not going to be a big problem. Uh, but yeah, like I'm, I'm happy with the base models. Uh, the pricing is also fine, actually. Like I don't think it's they're the same cost as the prior gen MacBook Pros. The price did not increase. Yeah, and I, I well, I mean, it's probably a better value too because you're getting way more performance and way and better <laughs> more ports. Yeah, more ports. More right, ports. it's still a better value for it. But okay, so to, it's just better to value. answer the question of am I getting one? Uh, it's it's one of those where I. Well, I didn't like sell the MacBook Pro, but I changed it for the M1 Mac Mini, you know, because it goes a great deal where I didn't pay anything to get this M1 Mac Mini. I basically just traded the laptop for it because I wasn't, you know, taking out my computer as much. But it, honestly, you know, thinking about it, I'm tempted to go for like a 16 inch for the reason of that the M1 Mac Mini is fine for a consumer part. I could use the more power there. Like I would not get an M1 Max. I had to get the M1 Pro. I would like my my config, right? So if I'm looking at the one I would buy, I would get the 10 core CPU because uh, with a sit with the 14 core GPU. I wouldn't go full 16 core because I I don't play games. And you you don't really use the you wouldn't really use the GPU cores for like. GPU heavy applications like like Blender or right. I would need I need CPU power for the um you know for for Logic and and for you know Isotope and that. And then I would also stick with 16 gigabytes of RAM because I think that's fine. I would say you should go for 32 if you're buying it. But yeah, no, uh, that's uh. Well, I mean, yeah, we can talk about 32, but I mean. Because this will be a te- piece. My problem is, and this is me getting into my emotions now. I need to, I, I need to do what you did and just suck it up and buy a ten-year computer. Like I meme, of course, all the time. People, y- y'all know, I meme about Static Twenty Eighty. But like, the reason he got it is that's a ten-year computer, right? Like that's a computer you're probably not going to major. You might do maintenance, right? You know, new drives, faster drives, maybe more RAM. But it's not like a computer in which you're going to completely tra- switch everything out on and rebuild. You know, for the next couple of years. Yeah, that computer's probably going to last you close to a decade. And 
That's what I see you do instead of doing base model devices that are poultry on storage and RAM. So honestly, like if I was going to get one, so we do 10 core, 14 core GPU, 32 gigabytes of RAM. I would honestly, I'd, I'd, I'd go one terabyte because, because I just buy drives because I don't access data that one terabyte of storage is fine. One terabyte is, I, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would see this is the thing I find like one terabyte is like, it'll give you enough breathing room for a while. And like, so, and I, and I think that's like, if you're going to use the machine for five, six, seven, a long time, like it's, it's like worth to get the bigger, especially for SSD storage. Uh, so honestly, it'd be, you know, which model is this one? It would be, yeah, it's one of the, it's one of the configs you could pre buy actually. Um, he's looking at actually, do they offer the M1? Because I get the 14 earlier. Oh, actually, you cannot get the 14 core GPU on the 16 inch. So actually, this would be the M1 Pro 10 core and 16 core because the with 16, yeah, or 32, yeah, but the 32 is only available on the Mac. So the 16 core is the one you can get. Uh, right, right, the base one you get. You can't get 14 with the 16 inch. It it starts at the 16 core. Yeah, so it'd be the 16 inch with the 10 core CPU, 16 core GPU, 32 gigabytes of RAM, one terabyte, and that would be that would be the computer I would buy. And but if I was to buy it right now, it would ship in December. So <laughs> probably not, probably not going to do that. Sure, sure. I I'm I'm not I'm not in the market for a laptop right now. Uh, the M1 MacBook Air that I have does more than what I needed to do. So there is literally, I cannot even theoretically justify a reason to buy uh, any of these. So, you know, uh, the M1 MacBook Air continues to serve uh, pretty well. So, you know, uh, that, that, that's, that's fine. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about Google. Uh, now that we have, now that we have talked about new SOCs, I think, on that vein, I think let's talk about the Google Pixel 6. Uh, we have a new Pixel device, uh, Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro, two, two, well, two SKUs. Uh, and what is like what I think the big thing this year Google is focusing on is the, is the CPU, right? Which is what they're calling a Google Tensor, right? Um, this is a five nanometer process to, I don't know if this means anything to anybody, like two Cortex, uh, X1 cores, two Cortex E76 cores, and two Cortex E55 cores. These are like ARM cores. So, like, I don't know if that means anything to anybody. It doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, so I, I, I don't know what this means. Uh, is, is there like an Atom Tech breakdown of this? Like, I, I don't know. Well, so what it means basically is Google is not using the bleeding, bleeding edge of ARM's processes, but they're, it's a it's a strange strange mix. They're basically like the split is two big powerful cores that they're giving more thermal budget to and then on the medium sized cores they are just, you know, fi- mid-range, but they also have small cores. So, it's not a big little, it's big little medium. Yeah, that's an interesting architecture. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the thing. Like I'm not I don't think like I don't think this is is this like and I, I'm probably there. Are, there's an architecture like this elsewhere, but uh, you know, you know, in a consumer device, is this like a new thing? Like, I actually don't know if this is a new thing or not. This is not how how Qualcomm does their design. Um, Apple has always been a little bit different, but no, the Qualcomm is big little, like usually big little, right? Like they have uh, they have high power cores and they have low power cores. They don't have like a medium power core. Uh, 
like even with Apple's design, right? It is high power cores and low power cores. There is not like a medium core that does. Uh, so, but but so Ron did an interview with the with the CPU team at Google, and it's very. I want to just read this one paragraph because it absolutely sounds like Android has some problems, so we kind of designed a silicon to get around it. So Ron was like, "So first question for the silicon team: What's up with this core layout?" The explanation was, it's a play for efficiency at medium workloads. We focused a lot of our design effort on how the workload is allocated, how the energy is distributed across the chip, and how the processors come to play at various points in time. When a heavy workload comes in, Android tends to hit it hard, and that's how we get responsiveness. So basically, what I'm interpreting that as is, Android kind of pegs one thread. So if we distribute it out with some medium cores, it doesn't bog the entire system down, which is ba- which is a very, that's a very corporate way of saying, yeah, this software is kind of unoptimized. So we need to play around with it to get responsiveness with our CPUs. Yeah. So, so th- we have, we have this new chip. We, and Google is obviously talking about the, I imagine it has some neural, like not neural. I mean, like sort of like machine learning shit going on, like like a coprocessor of some sort, maybe. Uh, let's talk about the actual hardware. There's two SKUs, right? So let's let's talk about the differences between the two SKUs. So we have six and six Pro. The differences between the six Pro, uh, the six Pro has a a, a bigger display, six point seven inches as opposed to six point four, and it has a hundred twenty hertz, uh, ref- like display and with the uh, higher resolution LTPO OLED. LTPO as in, uh, what's the LTPO means, I forgot what LTPO actually stands for, but it is the OLED that the Apple Watches use, right? And the new iPhones use. And Samsung's with, um, and Samsung phones as well. The Samsung phone OLEDs. Um, it's, it's low power, like it's lower, like it can, like it can, it has, it's good at the various uh, refresh rate tech right like it can switch between uh like 120 60 30 and stuff like that which i I guess we don't talk about too how impressive that is because for context like g-sync monitors are fucking thick like they need a lot of cooling right oh yeah tell me about it uh i'm looking at one right now uh they're big uh i mean they have been getting a bit better but the one i have is like kind of like a second gen i would call g-sync monitor um and it's it's big it's a big one uh it's a and so, like the miniaturized that one that fits the thermal and power efficiencies of a phone is very like that's that's super cool. It's very, I mean, of course, I have uh, LTPO displays. I've been I've been always very impressed. Um, the other difference between the six Pro and the six is that the six Pro has a uh, has a five twelve gigabyte SKU, uh, which I so is always like a weird thing for me for them to restrict, but whatever. Uh, Bigger battery. Uh, the six Pro has a five thousand milliampere hour, and the six has a four thousand six hundred milliampere hour battery. Uh, the six Pro has ultra wideband. Uh, I don't know what the ultra wideband is used for. I think you mentioned like what was it? Uh, I actually don't know what it is. Uh, well, the problem is, is this ultra wideband as in like the UWB stuff? Apple uses for like find my an airdrop or is this ultra wideband as an ultra wideband millimeter wave? And I think this is ultra wideband uh, Bluetooth, the Bluetooth technology. Yeah. Looking at it here, it's a Bluetooth technology. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the other big difference is obviously, I think uh, in the cameras, uh, there is a, uh, the pro has a 48 millimeter 4X telephoto lens. 
uh, and uh, the front camera is at a higher, higher resolution, uh, higher megapixels. So it's at 11 megapixels versus the eight. Uh, so that, that's like the, that's like differences between the two, two SKUs. The six comes at, at 600 USD and the six pro is at 900 USD. So a $300 difference, uh, between the two. So how are we feeling about these? Like, like let's start with the, the physical design, I guess, like the physical look of the device. How are you feeling about like the, the camera bar in the back? Uh, and the, in general, how big these phones are, like how are you feeling about that? So this is when the renders came out. Renders always look bad because you don't like you don't see people holding them. That's the thing. Like you, I always want to see if someone's holding the computer to or holding the computer, holding the phone. Dude, I mean, it is a computer, but that's what is not, a computer? But um, <laughs> no, so, no. but you know, they're holding the device, and I think that especially with the colors, I, I do love the colors, especially on the regular six. Um, I I do think that it is fine, and it is a perfectly adequate design. Um, I it isn't as out there maybe as some of Google's prior Pixel designs, where they tend to be like blobs. Like I've always felt like you look at a Pixel phone, and it like very much feels like a device with no d- defined corners. Where these tend to be a little more angular, but I I don't think it's bad. No, I no I don't think I I like that that black bar design gives it a certain unique look. I think, and it it is definitely visually striking. Uh, I don't know how it, f- it would feel to use in day to day use, but like I I do like how they look. Uh, I don't have a problem with the black bar, to be honest. I I don't know, like it seems fine. Uh, I don't know how ca- the cases are going to be weird for this, though, right? Like, I feel like cases for for this are going to be a little bit. Oh, the official Google cases um actually don't cover the camera bar. Oh, oh, okay. So they just like don't cover the top part, like the top. No, they do. They go around it. It's as weird as you think it is. It's just a hole in the case for the camera bar. <laughs> That's weird. That's really strange. That's okay. Okay, I mean, sure. I mean, you make the society, you got to have some of these trade-offs here. But otherwise, I think it's fine. Like, I think it's visually at least, at least visually striking. I don't know if everybody's going to like it. I, don't, I think the bigger problem is how large these phones are. And I don't know if that's actually a problem in these days, to be honest. Like, I, I think people just, people like big phones, right? Like, I think that's, like, that's the, the like, that's the sort of consensus. It seems that in general, people do prefer larger phones than not. And the people who prefer smaller phones seem to be in a ever decreasing minority. Uh, so maybe it's fine. I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel about like the large size of these displays. Like, I mean, I, I have a, I have a max phone. So, you know, I, I've made peace with the bigger screens because at the end of the day, if this is your primary computer, Having the biggest screen possible and a most in a portable size is always going to be more beneficial than having just less screen area. But you know, if you're someone who this phones are not your per, your, like your main computer, you work on a laptop, then it's more annoying to have to you know carry around something big. Um, it's you know I can just do more on my phone, right? Like you can just do more with a larger display. So it's I I think both options should exist, and I do think both options in a high end form should exist. Because if you want a smaller pixel, you have to buy the five A, which is a great device we've talked about, but you know isn't high end. But it's not available in most places either. And that's also a question of the five A. It's not available in most locales. Uh, I believe it's only U.S. and Japan. Uh, so so that's also a problem. Uh, 
So what's availability looking like for, for this device? I think it's available in more markets. Uh, I believe it is available in Canada. Uh, it is, yes. Uh, and a lot more countries. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that uh, Google has had is distribution. And not just uh, distribution as in the countries, but also distribution via carriers, right? So what are we looking at, like, U.S. carrier-wise? Uh, I, 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 there might be some deals, uh, mark, uh, mar- not marketing, but uh, which carriers are going to be carrying these in stores or whatever? Uh, they haven't said. In the U.S. They, they haven't, haven't said? said? Oh, they, they, they have not announced really what okay. the carrier deals are. So you can buy them from carriers, but buying online through Verizon is not the same as walking into a Verizon store. So honestly, P.S. Google is trying to say that these phones are the, you know, this is their big push. This is the year that they finally get good. And honestly, it, you know how you do this? You pay TELUS to have their employees push the phone. That's how you make it a success, right? Yeah, no, you. That's I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like they need they need that. Like you need that push with the carriers. Like that's how Samsung moves these gazillion amount of devices right they have carrier deals everywhere like every carrier like every time a samsung phone comes out like you go buy a carrier store you see the big samsung ads right you see the marketing push they're sound like the phones are like the samsung phones are straight like you walk into the store they're right there like you can just look at them right and like Google is not getting that sort of push, right? Like, like, um, what, what's it? What is, what does Gamers Nexus say? You can literally see it, right? You can literally <laughs> see it, right? Like, you can actually see the devices, and that's huge, right? People, people would like people want to see these devices before they buy them, right? Like, and they want to be able to, you know, use it a little bit, you know, play around with the screen or the camera or whatever, uh, and get a feel for the device before they buy it. So, having it be available physically in a store is is huge and Google is not been able to tap like crack that sort of access yet. Like they don't have that sort of Samsung level like deals that Samsung has. So uh, it's I don't know if this is the year of the Google Pixel, bro. Like I, I like they're trying, but uh, they have tried before and I, it hasn't panned out. So I, I don't know how hopeful I am for Google Pixel to become anywhere even near competitive. Uh, without carrier deals it's it's really hard and there's another bit of, of criticism here too so google's now uh building their own processors meaning they control the driver stack they write the firmware for it all of that the biggest complaint for android phones is always the update situation and the explanation has been well qualcomm will not write drivers for the new android version so you can't update it to it which is shit but at least i understand that now though Google is still only offering three years of OS updates with five years of security updates. And the question is, why Why is the update policy still the same when they're using their own silicon? Because the people who need to write the firmware to get the drivers to work on the new version of Android are the same people who are now making the phone and also build Android? Like, where? where's the bottleneck here? Yeah, like, where is the problem? What, what is the model? Like, why is it three years? You know, why is it not five years of update security or and and or like major version? Like, why is it that? Why are we still doing this? Like, why is this still like this? Would, that would be an actual selling point, right? Like, if they said five years of both security and OS major level updates. That would move. I mean, I, like people don't care about updates that much, actually, like in, in mass. But you know, amongst the nerds, it would like you know 
cause. I mean, that should be the bare fucking minimum. What you can get, you get like, so if you buy a desktop computer, Windows runs like at least 10 years usually, right? <laughs> yeah, or more. Yeah, yeah. and then like, like Mac OS like- is seven to 10 years, depending on what kind of device you have. Like, like a, like a, um, I think 2014 iMacs can run Monterey that comes out tomorrow, right? Like, you know, you get almost a decade, seven to ten years of a Mac with an iPhone. It's it's a fucking joke. This is I maybe we're I may we're probably beating a dead horse at this point. I don't care because it's just it like no, I don't think we're beating a dead horse. The horse is dead, but like we gotta keep beating it because oh, that's like, so that's uh, gonna take it out of context. Jesus Christ, bro. <laughs> yo, cut that out. Yo, cut that out. Hashtag cancel static. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, what I'm trying to say is I don't I don't think it's a dead horse. I think it is very much a discussion that we need to keep having because as as long as we are in this situation, we need to demand better. Like this is like really honestly sh- should be unacceptable. Like it is unacceptable, but but because of the status quo and the status quo has existed because of the Qualcomm monopoly in this sector. But this is not a Qualcomm chip. So as you said, what is the holdup here? Is it just Google doesn't want to do it? Like they don't want to put in the money. They don't want to put in the investment required to up, uh, support a device for a uh, full five years, both with OS and security updates. Uh, what is, what is, what is the reason? One of the reasons that like, we'll use video games, for example, I'll go back to my PlayStation bad bit from the beginning of the episode. Why do people who buy a, say you bought a PS2 when you were like 15, got it for your birthday. Why, why do most folks tend to stick with the same platform? Because they get ongoing support, right? You bought a PS2, you got like games and stuff from Sony's first parties for like 10 years. And you were like, it's a new generation. I'll just buy a PS3 because I had a pretty good time with the PS2. Or you buy like a Surface and you actually, bad example, Microsoft's fucking over some Surface people with Windows 11. Let's say you buy an iPhone, you get seven years of software updates. You'll probably just buy another iPhone because you didn't get fucked over. You buy a Samsung phone. You get ads in your fucking calendar app, which I know they removed, but like, why? I mean, sure, I guess we'll buy another Android phone, but it's just like, as much as I don't want to be like customer loyalty, the thing, because that's, that feels gross to say out loud. Like there is, it's a good thing to, you shouldn't fuck people over if they buy your shit. But it is a thing. Like it's, it is a thing. Like it's like this. And, and I think, and the thing we were, we were pointing earlier about like pixels not having success because of uh, carrier deals. I mean, yes, carrier deals are important, obviously, but also you need to engender loyalty in other ways as well. You need to, you need to make it seem like the pixel devices are offering something that Samsung isn't, right? Like you need to distinguish it like that. Like you need to be like, Hey, if you buy a pixel device, hey, it might not be available in your carrier store, but look, we're going to do five years of updates. Samsung is not going to do that. Basically, Google. Google thinks they're Nintendo here when they're not. <laughs> like Google, this is a Nintendo move. You can't do this. You can't, you're not Nintendo. You don't have you don't have Mario. You don't you don't have Zelda. You don't have that sort of cachet with with people. So uh, Google's ever decreasing cachet is is kind of like like Google people like Google because it's good at doing searches. But people don't like Google. No 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 no. People like Google. People like Chrome and people like Gmail and people like YouTube. That's it. That that is it. Yes, I don't know if people like YouTube, but that's that's a good point. Well, yeah. people en- people enjoy using <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I think YouTube is like available and it's 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 being improved on and it's like a stable Google product, unlike most of them. So, but 
pixels feel still feel like an afterthought of product if they're going to keep doing this. Like if this is the year they were going to make the big push, they should have just said they have, should have just had five years of updates. Like just do it, bro. Like what's the like if you're serious, like you're not showing the seriousness, right? You gotta, you got I mean, and we gotta look at the specs too, right? 128 gigabytes of storage, eight gigabytes of RAM, and a relatively reason, you know, fast processor. Where is the bottleneck? Like, what, what are you planning with Android that it would be a problem to give it future software support? Exactly. Like, what's what's the issue? What's the holdup? Is there a technical holdup? I don't. I don't even think it's a technical holdup as much as it's a business decision. Bro, I don't right? know. A sixteen gigabyte iPhone six S can fucking run iOS fifteen. <laughs> that's that's yeah. yeah it's, I mean, you shouldn't really, use it, no right? You shouldn't here. use it. Like, yeah, you shouldn't use it, but it, it is. You can if you want. Like, it's it's, it's available. Uh, and that's that's it's it's as as always. I I'm just like. What's the what's the point of buying a Pixel phone? Then? Like, if you're just gonna like, like, what is 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 at this point the only remaining reason is if you really want that specific version of Android that Google ships with 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 uh, with with the Pixels, like the the specific Pixel OS, I, I guess you call it. I, I wouldn't call it Android because it's not like AOSP Android. It's like well, I mean the cameras, right? It's the Pixels still have like some of the best cameras. Yeah, can, camera. Okay, like I mean this year, I mean that's the question. Like are the cameras? I want to have the done with the cameras. Uh, are they better? The, the problem too they... is we're recording this on Sunday, and all the embargoes drop tomorrow for the MacBooks and the Pixels, right? So that's why, like, we don't have more from the software side. Uh, yeah, look, it's it's what it is. I I'm not like it's it's we don't I, I don't it doesn't it doesn't really matter, but we'll see. You'll see the reviews. Uh, you'll see what the cameras are going to be like. Uh, I I'm not even like like I'm not like I was like if this was like the Pixel Five A, I could be like. Hey, make that available in Canada so I can buy it. But I'm like, at this, at like $800 or whatever it is, like, I'm like, no. Why would I buy an Android device even to have as like a testing device for Android applications, specifically like browsers usually, especially mobile browsers? Uh, like, I, like, no. It's nothing is here is like really like, I'm like, Look, this is this is the device. Like, I like this is a device I can recommend to people who want to buy the Android device. But I'm also being like, maybe you should just buy a Samsung phone because I, I mean, it is cheaper than a Samsung phone, so I'll give it that. But maybe it's not available in the carrier stores, so what does it matter? Also, price is relative when it's lacks availability, as you're saying. We're like, so, um, you for so I guess if I if I grew some tomatoes, right, that's cheaper than buying them at the grocery store. But where can I grow? Where can I get my tomato farm? How fast will it take me to grow these tomatoes? Right, right. You still talking about the the sort of like the convenience cost versus the sort or acquisition of cost, cost too, right? Acquisition cost, right? So yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of factors here. Like it's just the raw cost, and people don't buy phones full priced. Usually, most people do not. Most most people, and I should clarify, most people in in, in North America, uh, and specifically the U.S. and Canada. Uh, do not do not buy phones f- at their full price upfront. Like they're not they're not paying the full cost upfront. They usually it is spread out over uh what is called like a payment plan, right? Or like a contract uh in in the in the Canada as they're called two year contracts. So people are not buying the phones in the way that would make the three hundred dollar cheaper thing be actually matter to people. 
the only only way it would matter is if you're buying full priced up front, right? Like if I was buying, if I say I was buying a new Android phone this year to replace my iPhone, like it would be three hundred dollars cheaper than a Samsung phone. That's that's true, but I'm I'm not I'm not like the minority of people who buy phones like like full price unlocked, right? So that it doesn't really matter that much in the in the grand scheme of things right now. So uh, not 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 the best. I, I think I think this was. I think this uh, this segment of the podcast was more depressing than anything. I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't intend that to be the case, but uh, there is not really much to be happy about. I think, right? Other than the price difference. So, so there, there it is. Thanks, Google. Uh, I mean, at least we get more custom silicon. You know, at the end of the day, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, people who read Anantech are going to be feasting for sure. So you know, the people over there are, I'm sure, very excited. Well, and anything, to, uh, I'll be more than happy to recommend the Chromebook this goes into, which will probably actually be a good buy for, like, you know, like a Pixel book with this probably wouldn't be that bad, but you know, that's we'll see that as it comes. And and if anything, fuck the Qualcomm monopoly. Yes, fuck the Qualcomm, fuck Qualcomm in general. Uh, uh, they're, they're a shit company, to be honest. Uh, so let's listen. Qualcomm's for gamers, all right. Did you know Qualcomm stands for quality communication? Okay, so to wrap this up, all right, you can find show notes online at twoshadesofbrown.com. Once again, if you have a device that is Dolby Atmos, 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 Atmos oh, capable, please listen to the Atmos mix. It, it's probably going to be like 300. that are capable. You, you, right? you have AirPods Pro and an iPhone. Yes, you can listen to this. Um, so <laughs> please give feedback on it because like, it's honestly – it's not it's not it's actually not going to be much more work for me to do it like it's going to be it's, it's be fun to mix and master in it yeah i'm i'm curious i listen i don't, i've never listened to adobe atmos thing before and uh I, i'm curious how it's going to sound so sure i'll i'll give it a go yeah but uh, um also email contact two shades yeah send send takes on bioshock because i know last week we ended with a hot bioshock takes have you played bioshock let us know uh, but with that, I don't know why I'm doing this part. You always do it, but you know, what? let's switch it up. Where can people find you online? <laughs> uh, you can find me at packetkit at tenforward.social on, on, on Mastodon and uh, soniksafe.com for the website, which has all the links. And Christian, where do people uh, find your bad takes? So, Conversation Boost on the AirPods Pro is a new feature that um, came out with iOS 15. I tried it yesterday. I was at uh, I was at a bar making poor life choices, and I had the AirPods Pro in, and I was like, "Let's try it out." And it so went ahead, went to settings. It's very in accessibility, but um, I was able to turn it on, and it's it's kind of wild how it works. So basically, you get a couple of toggles. You get the ability to turn conversation boost on. You get the ability to tweak transparency mode for how much ambient noise you want it to cut out, and wh- wh- how it works is if you look at the person, if you're facing them, it mutes. It's, it filters out everything but their voice and like bumps up their voice. And it works surprisingly well in like a busy restaurant that I was at. It was, and the quality of the filtration, it's not like, it, it's like that watery kind of like Discord, you know, noise filtration. But I mean, it's, it's being done in real time though. There's no latency. There is no perceptible latency in this processing being done, which is absolutely wild because that means it has to be being done locally on the AirPods, right? It can't be, the audio cannot be sent to the phone and back to the AirPods to make it real time. That'd be a hundred milliseconds at best, you know, because of Bluetooth. So the fact that this is being done on the AirPods is absolutely wild. But I think I know how they're how they managed to find that budget because I, I went outside with it enabled 
and I immediately started hearing wind noise. And usually you don't hear that, right? When you're in your AirPods in transparency mode, oh, if you're on a windy street, usually it's a good job right, filtering. Right, so it seems the, like they yeah. cut that right and sort of redirected that processing budget to do the rest of the filtration, which I think is fine. Because you're, you're going to be using this while sitting down probably and talking to someone. Yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, that is an accessibility feature that is available. I, I remember they talked about this during the last WWDC keynote, I think, or whatever. Right, yeah, it was during that keynote. Yep. Yeah, so so it is a thing. Yes, conversation, conversation boost. Uh, that, that, yeah. So, but um, you could find me online though, posting about um, Love Live School Idol Sunshine, which just ended great season. At shows find on Twitter, at shows find at Twitter XYZ, and on my website, shows find website. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>